I think we are all instinctively grateful when God gives a beautiful day with the blue sky, uh, when somebody does something uh, good uh, to us or somebody gives us something nice. But when we fail to express gratitude, it puts up a barrier between us and the other person. Uh, Ingratitude is not something that we do to other people. It's something we don't do. It's an absence of words. Uh, When people fail to express gratitude to you, you notice. But they are rarely aware of it. Uh, When you give someone a gift and they don't say thank you, you wonder what's up. Did they get the gift? Did they appreciate it? If it's like a Christmas gift and you get no thank you, you wonder, should I give a gift again next year? They may have been grateful for your gift, but they never said anything. Unexpressed gratitude is experienced by you as ingratitude. When you show gratitude, people are drawn to you. A high schooler, teenager, if your parents, if you want your parents to say yes to you more often rather than no when you ask for something, learn to say thank you. Uh, I think this is the typical thinking of some teenagers. Yes, I'm grateful for the food my parents provide and the clothes. I love my bedroom. I'm so glad that they drive me to my practices. But that's what they're supposed to do. They're my parents. Don't be typical. When you say thank you, it will draw your parents towards you. Because gratitude attracts people to us. Truth is, they don't owe you anything. Everybody is a volunteer, even parents. Luke tells a story about Jesus. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled on the border between Samaria and Galilee. So, Jory and I are leading a a trip uh, for our church to uh, Israel next year, next April, a year from April. And uh, we will pass through this area from going from the Galilee to Jerusalem. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. Uh, Lepers hovered between life and death. Uh, They had a skin disease that ate away at their bodies. Their facial features were were being eaten away. Uh, They wore masks over our faces. We get that. Uh, It was a communicable disease, so the law required them to keep their distance. So lepers stayed away and watched everybody else live life. Leprosy caused them to feel no pain. In a culture where physical labor was required just to survive, often uh, they might lose uh, fingers or toes or hands and feet. They had injuries that went unattended. They lived outside of town and tried to make a living in remote areas. Now, later on in the story, we learned that these 10 lepers were comprised of Jews and Samaritans. Typically, Jews and Samaritans would have nothing to do with each other. But pain and suffering have a way of bringing us together. 
and maximizing what we have in common. When people need each other, religion and politics just don't matter that much. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Now, Master was a word uh, reserved for people who followed Jesus, called Jesus Master. And these people were not followers of Christ, but they were desperate. They thought if he can do what people tell us he can do, we want him to take pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go. They had heard that word before. People were constantly saying to them, go, get out of here. Stay away from us. But Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. Priests acted sort of like health inspectors. Uh, the lepers must have thought, go show them what? They still had leprosy. But Jesus had three purposes in mind. The law required that people with skin diseases had to be quarantined. We know about that. Jesus knew that by the time they got to the priests, it may have taken several hours, it may have been a one-day or a two-day or a several-day walk, they would have, been, they would have cleared the, the quarantine. Second, the ten lepers showing up cleansed would be a big deal. The priest would want to know, how did you get cured? And it would be pretty hard to argue that something amazing had not happened. Third, their willingness to go when they remained unchanged would be an expression of faith. If they were not healed along the way, the lepers would be, would be made to look like fools. So if you were one of the lepers, what would you do? They walked in faith. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then there's a twist in the story. But one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. No more social distancing. He threw himself at Christ. Then Luke must have smiled as he wrote this next line. And he was a Samaritan. Now remember, Luke is known for writing about social outcasts. People that nobody else wanted to be with. That nobody expected Jesus to spend time with. I can't prove it, but Luke suggests by this comment that the other nine may have been Jews. The story does not end there. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Now, in Greek, the placement of words is a big deal. Often the author will hold a word to the end of the sentence for greater emphasis. The New Testament is written in Greek, so let me read you the text as Luke wrote it. Jesus said, Uke hoi deka ekatharisthesan. Were not ten cleansed? Hoi de enea. But the nine, poo, where are they? Luke holds where till the end of the sentence for emphasis. Jesus saying, hey, where are the other nine? Something is wrong here. Someone is missing. 
Now, if you're a parent, you know exactly what Jesus is saying. If you're a teenager, you get it immediately what Jesus is saying. If you remember how you were raised as a child, how your parents raised you, if somebody did something nice for you or gave you a nice gift and your parents were standing there in the room, what would they say? Say thank you now. If you wait, it'll be too late. Jesus is, is saying that the nine were missing their opportunity. I have no doubt that they were grateful. They were healed. They got to reunite with their families. They got their old jobs back. But where were they? They didn't say anything. But before we judge, if we talked to the nine, they would say, what? Of course we're grateful. They felt it. They didn't say it. Gratitude needs to be spoken. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner, Jesus asked? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. You had faith to go to the priests, and you had faith to come back and thank me. Thank you for coming back. Now, let me make four comments about expressing gratitude. One, unexpressed gratitude communicates ingratitude. It's even worse than that. Somebody does something nice for you and you feel grateful, but to them, it feels like the exact opposite. You didn't say anything, and so they think you're ungrateful. If you want to win the heart of your spouse, your parent, your child, a boss, an employee, express gratitude. That's the language of the heart. Two, unexpressed gratitude may indicate you don't recognize how much you need other people. When you don't thank people, it suggests that you think you could do it without them. The truth is, you could not have achieved what you've achieved without dozens of other people helping along the way. March 15th, we shut down our service due to COVID. Uh, the next day, Kate Brown shut down all churches. We immediately began doing uh, a video uh, of just the sermon. Then on July 12th, we began full band up here, and we began a live stream. There is no way Carrie and I could do what we're doing today without the help of about 25 people who play in the band, sing, and do the technology to get the live stream out. When you don't express gratitude, you come off as arrogant. Is expressing gratitude difficult for you? Are you more comfortable pointing out how things could have been done better than saying how they were done well. Thank people for what they've done well. Three, gratitude requires practice. I think we're all instinctively grateful. But expressing gratitude does not come automatically. The good news is that you can learn to do this. 
You can get better at it. When our children were younger, I was amazed when we would take them to the store. They said, Daddy, can you buy this for me? Mommy, Daddy, can you get this for us? We never had to teach them how to ask. But expressing gratitude was a holy different matter. We constantly have to remind them and ourselves to express gratitude. You can express gratitude by paying attention to the little things God does for you every day and other people do for you. Dietrich Bronhofer in his book Life Together writes, only he who gives thanks for the little things receives the big things. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? Stop and notice the flower that blooms, uh, the creatures that go across your driveway, the wind going through the leaves. Notice the little things that are ours to enjoy, like the snow God sent us two weeks ago. Develop a habit of giving thanks for the little things. The psalmist writes, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Practice thanking God hundreds of times a day. Bob Eden was blind for 51 years. Just think of it. Five decades of living in a tunnel of darkness. Just sounds and smells and tastes and feelings. And then a skilled ophthalmologist did a complicated surgery on him, and Bob received his sight. Bob was just overwhelmed. He wrote, I never would have dreamed that yellow is so yellow. I don't have the words. I'm amazed by yellow. But red is my favorite color. I just can't believe red. And I can see the shape of the moon. And I like nothing better than seeing a plane flying across the sky. And of course, sunrises and sunsets. Bob Edens is correct. There are so many amazing things for us to see every day. But we who have had sight our entire lives can become blinded to the many gifts we receive every day. Start by giving thanks for small things. And then learn to give thanks in every circumstance. One of Paul's uh, most famous verses says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now some people have misinterpreted this verse that we're supposed to give thanks for all things. Uh, Greek is a very precise language. So again, let me read it to you as Paul would have originally written it in Greek. En pante. He doesn't say for everything give thanks. He says in everything give thanks. So you give thanks in every circumstance. If you, if you start saying give thanks for all things, you're going to get boxed into a corner where you ultimately have to give thanks for evil. Paul doesn't say to do that. So you can be robbed. You don't give thanks for the robbery, but you can be thankful that the robber didn't take your life. You don't have to be thankful for the robbery, but you can be thankful that they only took valuable things, but things can be replaced. Um, 
Thomas Edison was an example of someone who learned to give thanks in all things. In 1914, Edison Laboratories in New Jersey was burned down almost entirely to the ground. And his son Charles was running around frantically looking for his father. And uh, he finally found him pretty close to the fire, uh, the glow of the fire on his face and his white hair blowing back. And um, Thomas noticed him and he says, where's your mother? Go find her and ask her to come out here. She'll never see anything like this. And she came out and they, as they kind of walked around among the fire and the charred embers, Edison uh, said this, or Charles uh, wrote this about him. There's great value <clears throat> in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Thank God we can start anew. A gratitude in all situations takes the focus off of ourselves and puts it on God. Four, gratitude is expressed by few. Luke tells us that out of the ten lepers that were cured, only one came back to give thanks. My guess is that statistically, that's about right. One out of ten expressed gratitude. We're all grateful, but few express it. Many people said that 2020 was the worst year ever. Good riddance. And I understand that. It was a bad year. But on New Year's Eve, our families sat around the table and I said, why don't we give thanks? Uh, share what you're thankful for for this last year. I was amazed as we shared how many things we were grateful to God for. Who are the people that helped you? Or who help you that you need to thank? Your parent, grandparent, brother, sister, spouse, coach, teacher, boss, employee, counselor, pastor. Make a point to thank them. One came back to thank Jesus. Nine did not. Are you more like the nine or the one? The good news is you get to decide. Let's decide today to be the one. Lord Jesus, thank you for this story. Ten lepers came to you and you healed them. But only one came back to thank you. Lord, we don't want to be like the nine. We want to be like the one and express gratitude to you and to other people. And we commit to doing that this week. I want you to pray right now. Tell God that you want to be the one that expresses gratitude. And you want to thank him hundreds of times this week. You pray that. And if you've never thanked Jesus for coming and dying for you, you can thank him right now and ask him to come into your life and forgive your sins. You pray. Lord Jesus, we want to be thankful people. We realize that thankful people are more attractive to other people. 
They exude joy, and that's the kind of people we want to be. Help us to begin right today expressing it more often. In Jesus' name we pray.